The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Jack Newman. I'm Ben Howard. And I'm Trevor Flynn. And welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast, brought to you today by vitamin C because I am under the weather. I'm just, I'm just, I just got like a whole little bottle of my own uh, probiotic pineapple mango, which is packed with vitamin C. And I am chugging this down because Disney World is a land of filth. <laughs> Germs. I was there for like a week. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I have to admit, there's always like low grade, like aggro screaming from the lobby of like whatever Disney hotel you stay in. Like, no offense, Disney, but like you're just like it'll be like two a.m. and you'll hear mom. <laughs> you're just right. like, God damn it, you human bus machine. <laughs> Sorry, place I don't have Earth. children. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, this anyway this week we're going to be reviewing uh, a Disney movie, which is something that I always enjoy doing, and uh, I'm even happier for it to be a Pixar Disney movie. Uh, but this week we're going to be enjoying Incredibles two. But before that, we're going to instead of our traditional uh, trailer corner, we're going to be reviewing the uh, Pixar movie, the Pixar short in front of this movie, which is a bizarre short film <laughs> called Bao Bun, and it is. Or just bow, right? Yeah, just bow. Yeah, yeah. So it is absolutely bizarre. It tells the story of a of an elderly lady who has a bow bun that she raises and then cannibalizes. Uh, yes. That's, <laughs> Spoiler that's, alert! That's, that's technically, that yeah, <laughs> it's technically the plot without spoilers. <laughs> well, our spoiler podcast is fine, um, but I know Trevor had a certain reaction to it that i'm very curious to hear well i first of all i gotta i gotta walk this uh this summary back it was a dream right like it was it yes was a dream. it was a dream it was like a but we're not led on to that for magical realism dream yeah right we're not Which led on to that till after the baby yeah like you think it's her act like her proxy son that she then mm-hmm. eats and then later it's revealed to be a dream so everyone in my audience was like whoa yeah when that happened it, yeah, which yeah. which it's, is a very weird thing for the Disney to do on this sort of thing because like you know we've had tons of weird Disney shorts before so it's not it's not out of the realm of like the Disney short possibility and then it's like oh my god it cannibalizes it <laughs> right I mean that's what's on Peter about it's love like that it, moment it, though they've so never done like that it was all yeah, a dream never, twist before M. so it Shyamalan could be realistic. Go, go um, ahead Trevor what was that so my reaction to this movie or this uh, short was very strong and it was very impactful because uh the way i ended up seeing incredibles 2 is um with my family so we could see it all together like i didn't want to see it with my family without my girlfriend and vice versa i just moved down to san antonio with my girlfriend and right after um like we planned to uh the day after we moved moved all our furniture in and everything, go and see this movie, which we did, a matinee, right before my parents had to leave. And, like, this fucking short starts playing about the mom and, like, having, like, this friend that she has with her that's, like, her son that, like, you know, just, like, this whole new relationship. It's all about them. And she has to give it up. And uh, I, I could just hear my mom crying like two seats away, like halfway through the short. And so by the end of it, I just like kind of 
like reached out my hand and, and took her hand and she kind of looked at me and I looked at her and I was like, yeah, I, it, we, I get it. Like, it's nice. Like, I can't, that is just the most real, too real thing that has ever happened to me in a movie theater. Thanks to a <laughs> fucking Pixar short of all things. Like, not a movie. Nothing like this happened during Toy Story 3. Like, this, this, this was like the quintessential Pixar moment for me, I guess, that I'm always going to remember now. Because it just happened, and it was too real. And like, as soon as she took the bun back inside, and then the bun bow back inside herself because she didn't want to give it up to like its girlfriend that it found to like go. And then you see it's all, when it's all a dream, it's revealed. You know, it's the same girlfriend, so it obviously represents her son. And then like she starts teaching the girlfriend how to make bow buns and they all make bow buns together and then it's like yeah they she had to give the son up but the son comes home and everything's fine and everyone's moved on and it's so good i just thought it was so good that's my full spiel so I thought they did a really good job with how they introduced like the secondary, like the girlfriend and the bow bun comes home with the girlfriend and shows off the ring and they do the thing and then they still uh-huh. have it be her at the end. I still think it's a cute way of doing it and like also making her a person at the end when she can make bow buns. In terms of short characterization of an individual, I think it's very impressive that they're able to take somebody, characterize them as something and then turn it around in the next frame and still it not be like something weird, you know? I love the design of the characters too, and how yeah, the, very exaggerated, which I thought was yeah. it's nice because Pixar typically has a very more <laughs> yes, they have a very exaggerated features, which Pixar doesn't tend to do. Yeah. Which I it's one of those shorts enjoyed. or short films animated where you you see the character design like once they open their eyes, like oh okay, this is the this is this is the way this people are being drawn in this this universe that kind of catches you off guard and you have to adjust to. But I really ended up liking it a lot. Especially also the, the first, uh, yeah, also the first Pixar film, short or otherwise, solely directed by a woman. So, oh, taking them shit, really? twenty years to get that point. Yep. Wow. Yeah that that moment whenever I mean, she eats the bun. Uh, oh, okay. Hold on. Place. Hold on. That's that's not this is the difference between like these budgetary projects like Pixar is a single studio like that's different than saying like oh there's no animated features done by a woman like that's that's yeah but they have specific directors for each project who are like you know right my my point is is that like like you know I'm not sure that's fair because Pixar is much more of a show a shared directorial thing yeah, I mean they, they definitely have singular directors and they do a they do. female director was the one who was directing Brave who then got fired and like Rashida Jones was going to direct Toy Story 4 and left because of her issues with John Lasseter so I do think they do have a, a female problem in Pixar mm. in the past that's a fair if you have information that I don't have that's totally fair I don't know but I, 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 I resist I resist getting upset that like a single studio doesn't have female directors, but well, that's fair. Yeah, there's we all know about Brave too. That's the big one that I remember. Yeah, that's I the one did I'm not. Brave was that. was directed by a woman, and then got fired from her own like story. You know, now they yeah. fire a lot of directors from a lot of movies, so it's not like, yeah. uncommon. But it just wasn't very good optics. Yeah, yeah, especially since Brave sucked too. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah. The trailer uh, <laughs> so good. Notably, the director we're going to talk about, Brad Bird, uh, Ratatouille. Uh, the original director got fired off Ratatouille, but the end result of Ratatouille, I think, is a very excellent film. So yeah, yeah. sometimes yeah. stuff. But Brave, I, I think it I works out sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. And one of the things too is like I would argue Brave is even worse than something like Cars. 
Oof. Uh, Oof. I don't know about that. Yeah. Bra- Brave feels broken. Cars at least is tr- is hitting its its right. Cars layup. Like a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 dribble. It's tiny yeah. dribble to the court. It's like it's it's like old man putting its butt <laughs> out and like dribbling to the basket like Shaq style. No offense to Shaq, but just like old man Shaq style and like doing a layup. It's not it's not going for like two three pointers like you know fucking Brave is sometimes. Well, the one thing I had to bow is uh. Uh, clearly, the, what they want to show off is their incredible uh, technology advancements of food porn. Because the food in this short <laughs> looks so good. There's a shot of lettuce, and looks better than any shot of real lettuce I've ever seen in my life. It was <laughs> the, the most beautiful lettuce I've ever seen. And this movie drove me insane that the mom made this amazing dinner, and the the bow son just walks out and doesn't eat it. Yeah. I'm like, you, how dare you? Yeah. Never I come back like to this house. I also like how it foreshadows her eating him when she, like, angry eats all the food. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really cute moment, too. I love how her eyes turn dark. Like, they just don't have eyeballs in them anymore when she's sad. It's, it's such, it was so unique. I, I, I love that little effect. I especially love how the son, when he's being an asshole, has like a neck beard and glasses. Yeah. Oh, I'm bowing that. That brought up too many questions for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I was starting to like. That's why I'm glad it was a dream because I don't want to start thinking about my food having feelings and growing beards. I don't, right. I don't need that. Yeah. Well, like, it was such I, uh, a good, like, I don't know, it made sense emotionally the whole way for me because it's like you make something and then you take it back into yourself because you can't let it go and then it's more about her perceptions of like a child rejecting you as it goes through its teenage years and actual reality yeah no for sure yeah. it makes sense like emotionally it's just i think i need to see it again just because i did not know what the fuck was happening <laughs> i was just sitting there like what is this <laughs> Why? Yeah, I, I, I think that like I agree. Like, I, it was funny to me in the context like of like uh, I was in a theater at Disney World when I saw this, and two people in the audience at different points in this, this short film were like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, <laughs> and 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 when he got eaten, even I said it. I said it out loud at a theater full of children. I was like, "Holy <laughs> shit!" <laughs> like, and it's just it's funny to me that that reaction kept popping up all the time. And I, and I think it's I still stand by it. I don't think I would have the same reaction now that I know the game, but it definitely is something weird about that show that like I, I was definitely like shocked like at multiple points through it. And like and then when she eats the sun and then it all wrapped up good. It's just. It's a weird production. It's a weird production in a weird sort of way. Did yeah. not did not find it off putting myself, except for like the really big moment. And I mean, I definitely see where y'all are coming from. I just it's 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 funny to me now that I think about it that it didn't bother me more because <laughs> it, it does. It is very potentially disturbing. I thought it was yeah. I thought it was very weird. And then when she ate the baby, I was like, oh. <laughs> that did not go where I expected it to go. No. <laughs> I think it was good. I think I think it was good too because the one thing I can say that Pixar continuously does that I think I like better than anything else is the fact that I am always genuinely surprised when I go into one of these short films. I, I think that's the best thing that can be said about this for me personally. Well, it's better than uh, than Olaf's um, Frozen Adventure. 
Uh, well, I mean, shit. that's not even a Pixar short. Let's not. I don't even. That's not. That's not. That's not, not the besmirch same. the good name. <laughs> Pixar yeah, <shorts>. Jesus. <laughs> that was just unfortunate. Not letting that die. Never letting that. Uh, no, <laughs> it's, never it's fair. It was, my, my it's the biggest really. bullshit of uh, uh, Disney's ever done to Pixar. I mean, up there, it's pretty bad. Yeah. How dare you? Oh man! All right, I went and uh, I went and bought tickets to Coco and came back forty minutes later and it still wasn't starting. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Coco, Coco was bad, man. Coco, I mean, not Coco the movie. The movie itself say, was, great. was great. Yeah, Coco is great. I, Coco may be a better movie than Incredibles too, but at the same time, That's like just... that short is just like really bad. And it's, it's funny to me that I had forgotten about it. I had forgotten that Coco had the fucking Frozen short. Yeah, Frozen. 20 minute long episode of a TV show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, three did air musical on TV, numbers. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, it was uh, a TV special that they just shoved in front of the movie to make some extra all right, money. All right, all right, all right, all right. Let's yeah, let's right, go ahead yeah. and move on to the, let's go ahead and move on to the thing. I don't think we have anything interesting to say about this other than the fact that it's fucking bizarre. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, we, I we have that my really truly emotional connective moment was interesting. I think so. I, no, I agree. I agree. Sorry, I don't mean to say that we didn't have anything interesting. Just that, like, you know, bro, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jack are at that level. We're at bro, weird. <laughs> <laughs> all right how about this i got i got nothing to say about it i'm not trying to poke you guys down or anything <laughs> I, I got i got nothing here i'm like what the fuck was that um anyways moving on to incredibles 2 uh everyone's favorite <coughs> mm. Mm, very terrible. oh jesus ah Everyone's favorite family of superheroes is back in Incredibles 2. This time, Helen, voice of Holly Hunter, is in the spotlight, leaving Bob, voice of Craig T. Nelson, and home with Violet, voice of Sarah Val, and Dash, voice of Huck Milner, to navigate the da- the day-to-day heroics of normal life. It's a tough transition for everyone, made tougher by the fact that the family is still unaware of Baby Jack-Jack's emerging superpowers. When a new villain hatches a brilliant and dangerous plot, the family in Prozone... <coughs> voiced by Samuel L. Jackson must find a way to work together again, which is easier said than done, even when they're all incredible. Uh, wow, Jack, I think you just had an allergic reaction to that summary of the, uh, yeah, the plot saying. in this movie. Yeah, it just like all the words lodged in my nose and stuffed me up even more. It was pretty, <laughs> um, it's a good movie. That's a terrible summary. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, Kind it's very like hard to describe. It's actually interesting too because this movie is is bizarre in some instincts because it's both directly after a direct continuation of the story. Also, it's doing the continued thing of flipping the original movie uh, and doing the same story in a different, slightly sort of way. Um, and then it, I think you know personally, just getting into general thoughts, I think this is one's like the emotional core and narrative thrust of this movie is <clears throat> lost before the end of the movie. A little bit, but I think that I didn't. It was amazing to me that I didn't really care that it was lost, because fuck me. In terms of an action-packed movie that is both that has lots of action sequences, lots of laughs, and it's just an, an insanely good time. Uh, this movie was really, really up there. Even even if its emotional core and narrative thrust get lost before the end of the movie. Um, but uh, let's start with you, Ben. Would you counterpoint? Um, no, I mean, you, you pretty much covered it. I mean, um, it's tough because, um, I've just recently rewatched all of Brad Bird's, uh, films and other than Tomorrowland, which I despised (laughs) mostly because of its 
values, which I thought were horrendous. Um, I can't deny that Brad Bird is just one of our most talented Philippine filmmakers, I think. He just has a, a mastery of both action uh, on, on animated and live action. Uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol is, a, is just a fabulous action movie as well. And there's some parts of Tomorrowland that are just gorgeous and, and incredible. And you're like, even when I, even grumpy old me who hates this movie all the way through is like, man, that was good. Um, so Thank you. The grump, <laughs> even though I too am something of a curmudgeon, there are parts I really wanted Tomorrowland to work, man. I really wanted it to work. But at the end, I've heard that from a lot work. of people, and I get that. It's just, it's just my core values do not align with that movie in any way. So it frustrated me. But um, oh, really? I, I, I want to. I want. We're circling. Ben wants the world to end. Um, but uh, but um. So so I, I, I know going into a Brad Bird film that I'm going to get a lot of good out of it. And this is similar. Like, the action in this movie is just unbelievable. He's the only one who I think comes as close to, or maybe even, eh, I mean, I don't know enough about it, so I can't say. But at least as close to the films I've seen of matching sort of Japanese-style animation in terms of action, the fluidity of action, the creativity, yeah. really, uh, really shows how far so many people are from that, but still is funny the jack jack versus raccoon scene is not only a great action scene but like one of the funniest like little independent like five minute looney tunes style shorts i've seen in a long time it's just a really perilous piece of just animation um but unfortunately it's just a problem of like i kind of guess i hold incredibles to a high standard because the first one was that fun action movie but actually is fairly interesting in a lot of its themes and where incredibles was very tight and and felt kind of constrained because it was so early into the uh, the history of animation, like they basically everything you see in Incredibles is like as far as they could go. You know what I mean? Like yeah. any motorcycle, the computers would explode. You know, like it, they they really pushed it to the limits with that movie, and and now they have much more freedom. And I think with that freedom comes an overabundance of ideas and an overabundance of of abilities. Um, you just have a director coming to a well where he has more freedom, more inventiveness, more more creativity, more. Uh, uh, um, trust, you know what I mean, and because of that, I feel like he kind of jams like four movies into one, which is my big problem. With this movie, it just feels like it's really a lot of scripts with a lot of themes, and it doesn't kind of settle on one. Yeah, maybe and... it's the next two Incredibles movie just jammed to one for whatever. Right, reason. or like, are they or are they cutting some back so they can make Incredibles three? Because almost certainly now it'll might be a little more like, and I worry about that as well. Like, is it going to be a much more like? Yeah, a couple four years kind of franchise, or I definitely so felt just elements to it that felt a little. Yeah, I definitely felt that like she- there was a point where there was so many narrative subplots in the movie that it it it, it comes at one of the funny things to me. It's like at the end when Helen and the villain didn't really have anything to say to each other. Um, yeah, that was a yeah. telling point for me that like the narrative of this movie has effectively been lost. And also that like Bob sort of just fixes his problems too. <laughs> like that just happens. <laughs> and his kids are like well raised and take care of the issues at the end. And that's cool and all, but it's not, it's not as, uh, it's not like, it's not like we're getting really a satisfactory answer to any of the stories or questions that is raised by the series. Now we can continue on with those. Um, and those issues can be raised, but at the same time, I feel like this, you know, there's three stories, essentially two of them kind of intertwine at the end for convenience purposes. And one, and the story that you wouldn't expect to be the main thrust is the main thrust about like uh, kind of Violet and dash at the end. Let's identify those. Shall we? 
So we What's got that? let's 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 identify those like subplots, yeah. subnarratives. I do because I, I do agree with both of you uh, to an extent. Um, the, there's just <laughs> and uh, before I was um, before I got on hopped on the cast, the article I was reading was the one I meant to get around to from Vox, and just like oh, there are too many big ideas in this movie, man. And so I mean the there's the um, the 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 the, thema- the theme of um, product versus the marketing of the product, uh, which is something right. that Ellen well, Parr and uh, well, which is something that the brother and sister have like two different that's they not, diverge on. That's right? not a plot, dude. I I don't think that's a plot. That's a plot string. I think the plots in this movie are you have Bob Parr trying to take care of the home front. You have Helen reintroducing into her plot points about and kind of the main thrust with the superhero side of her with that so i think that is tied in with helen parr's story and then you kind of get violet's story which is about trusting your parents and understanding growing up and understanding that your parents are actually people uh well, so which you're talking is about narratives there i'm talking about themes and yeah. i think there i think there are multiple ones of both of them <laughs> like he's yeah right. exactly. no, no, i'm not saying themes i'm saying the plot structure of like there where are, we're following there are three with plot structures and like seven themes i mean that's <laughs> right the right me. that's that's the problem yeah and each and the problem is is that violet gets an underdeveloped plot early on and then that's the one that completes at the end of it like where she's she's like i'll take jack jack he my shields will protect him and like hers is the one that gets fully developed by the end of the movie and it's kind of weird because bob pars is sort of just like mr incredibles is sort of just like kind of ends and then he becomes a passenger in the movie um, Helen's sort of gets completed in its own weird sort of way, but they don't have anything to talk about at the end, so it's awkward. And then really the only people that gets like a full finished plot is is Violet. And Dash is sort of, you know, put into that as well. But it's definitely about her taking older child status and like leading them and saving them at the end, which is just like a huge step forward for her also understanding and trusting her parents too, which is just I thought was a cool message and I would have liked to have seen the movie kind of gone through a rewrite and been more about that message than the rest of it. Right. So you think Violet learned to trust her parents and that was kind of a core thrust of her narrative? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like understanding your father break down. Yeah, understanding your parents have their own struggles and they are like because that's the best scene in the movie to me is when the dad breaks down and she realizes like he's just trying his best. You know what I mean? Like he has good intentions. I like that because I like that because previously I had thought that Violet, like by the end of it, when she asks out Toby again, I was like, what's what's changed here? Like she still just had the confidence to do it in the first move by the end of the first movie. And she just has the confidence to do it again by the end of the second one. Right. Right. No, she gets over her anger at somebody else. She's not blaming somebody else. She just she accepts that they've fucked up and moves past it and then just does it. Yeah. yeah, it's more about the acceptance of like her family and yeah, the families. acceptance that like and who she is and who what like you know the fact that they were just doing the right thing and she had to get over it because like you know she literally like wouldn't deal with her own issue because she's so mad at somebody else and I think I like that I think I, like I, that. I think no no I think that I think Violet's plotline is perfect and I think that it's underdeveloped yeah, in the first half I don't know even if it's though perfect. like. It, yeah, because uh, I really like y'all's explanation for that to me. That makes me appreciate her in this movie more because the right. shot of her putting her super suit down the garbage disposal and, and just in rebellion was like, I feel like trailer like clip for me. Like it wasn't. The no, I, very I thought I thought it was very important to the core thrust of the movie near the end. Now, I thought it was just a side point, And that's why I thought it was underdeveloped and in, in the right place. 
but I feel like it's the only one that completes because I like and, and that's the other thing too is like I first off I gotta say focusing the action on Elastigirl is fucking genius because God help me they could do so many more cool stunts yeah. and things with her fucking power set the, and they were brilliant the, to do the that the genius idea of having a motorcycle that splits in two so she can like, yeah. move it as far as possible yeah brilliant idea she is a fun superhero and also like i was impressed by like just how fucking action-packed the sequences were too like that fight with the first fight with like the like the screen slaver which is like the general guy with like the prod in the cage it's a goddamn brutal fight like yeah like i was yeah, i was in the he, theater uh, i had listened to an interview with brad bird and he said he based it off the train fight from russia with love which is a classic brutal intense train fight so that's yeah that's kind of where he's coming from he wanted something that i believe it intense and like uh, scary, you know, which is like that's one thing that's always been fascinating about Incredibles is they let Brad Bird just be like, oh, there's danger, like there's serious danger to these people, and just because yeah, there's like yeah. kids and families doesn't mean that there's not a possibility of death, you know. That's something that definitely happened with uh, Dash in the first one when they had the fucking the fucking like like vibro blade cars flying after him, and you're like, and dude, shooting this, this at thing him, total- yeah, yeah, this this thing will totally fucking kill him. Like well, you yeah. are not protecting this character at all. Like in the Jesus, first one, guys. Helen Parr specifically says in a speech to her kid, <laughs> "They will kill you." So that's yeah. how dark the first Incredibles is. I don't feel yeah. like this one. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like it maintains that to an extent, but I, I don't know. It feels a little softer too, in a way. I, I disagree also, entirely. I think part of the, my problem is like, cause the first one, the thematic stuff all just kind of flowed together really well because like, it was all about, um, oh, dude. Bob accepting, you know, it was Bob going through a midlife crisis. That was like the genius idea. It's like, what <coughs> if a superhero dad went through a midlife crisis? And what does that look like? You know, I think and there's thematic yeah. problems with the first one, even though to, to the extent that you can, I mean, you, you guys, I'm sure are acquainted with people reading it as a kind of a libertarian fable that like, um, you know, what? Why is he? Oh yeah, that's pretty. Is, people people often say that. I think erroneously that that Brad Bird is very and Randy and I think he's very individualistic. Yeah. I think that's more right. of the difference is that like he he just kind of views I mean he's a guy who's like probably knows he's talented and <laughs> a little arrogant about it. I think that's kind of what it more comes down to is like he believes right. in like right. letting creative f- freedom and not like letting be people be bowed down. But I totally get where people understand that because like the bad guy and Incredibles is the government, and the bad guy in Ratatouille is the government. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, there's 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 a little bit of that, but I think it's just more coincidental. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think that I think the government can be the bad guy at the same time and it not be. I I I, I well, it I almost makes, that, make, that because... reading totally makes me upset here. Honestly, a little bit. Okay, there's well, a big difference between him and Zack Snyder. It's, it's who's the same... literally going to make an Anne Rand movie. <laughs> so you know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Trevor, you were saying something. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you say in the first one the bad guy is the government, and I like that. And there is that's that's one of the thematic problems with both of these movies is that there's that you know there are jokes about Congress in uh, in this one, but um, I think the more um, current I don't idea think it's a thematic problem at all. I, I uh, go ahead, sorry. All right. Um, well. I think it's interesting that um, whenever um, Bob Odenkirk's character asks the Incredibles or the the, uh, the team he's assembled, you know, what do you think the biggest problem is? And Mr. Incredible says it's ignorance. And I think that is, um, you know, the the I, I think those themes uh, go 
all the way back to the first one. And it's, it's people's ignorance or people's perception more than it is the, the government specifically. But also they have lines in there about how the government can't understand people who just want to do good things. Um, so Ben, I agree with you there uh, too. A little I, bit, I, but. That's why I really didn't understand for this movie that to me, there was a much more interesting angle to go with the uh, spoiler alert, Evelyn's uh, character uh, at the end, or maybe we're just spoiled better. Um, because to me, it they, they talked so much about, like you said, the marketing of a product and the idea of like the product versus the way you sell it. So to me, it seemed like they were very clearly setting up this idea of like, well, a superhero needs a supervillain, right? So I created the supervillain so you could get all this acclaim and all this attention, and mm-hmm. then you know you would be able to like take that. And I thought that was going to be the more like it's going to be more of a moral ethical argument of like, well, one lonely pizza guy that no one cares about went to jail, but you got all the things you ever wanted, you know, superheroes are back, you're famous, you know. Is that sort of is that value worth it, you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. And and I and I I agree and also disagree with like I don't understand how the narrative could have gone that direction and like stayed true to kind of like the rest of the themes. I think they went with the theme that best fit the other the more important themes which is the evolution of Helen and Bob Parr. So I understand why they did it. I understand that you feel like they're signaling towards that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's why also the ending is weird to me because it's like it feels like the first two thirds is about that, and then suddenly it's like no, it's actually about the kids. You know what I mean? That's why I'm saying yeah. like the first yeah. one does a good job of like it's about Bob's ability to be a good role model, and him being a bad role model in the past comes back to haunt him with syndrome, right? But him being a good role model now with his current family is what helps save him, right? It's like his growth is is you know what created his yeah. problem but also solves his problem it's a nice little you know thematic yeah balancing yeah. and here and, it's and, like the kids aren't really that important to the last third and so that's what i find very odd is that when we take away the agency of El- of helen and, and bob by the last third it felt sort of weird to me because it felt like it was more their movie and all of a sudden it just switches at the last 30 minutes to being what and, and in fairness it's a it's an extremely awesome 30 minutes with like void and all the other powers but then it's uh, the problem like it's like a really cool set piece like it's really great you yeah, know it's, it's a fucking that. it's a fucking superpower uh, battle it's fucking civil war on a boat and it's fucking a great cool. a great joke where he's like i i crush i don't uncrush <laughs> <laughs> do you unpunch somebody's face like <laughs> It's the I, Hulk. I Hulk, Hulk, I, Hulk smash. Hulk doesn't unsmash. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess, I guess, like this pushback on the first movie and Brad Bird in general as like this sort of like undertone. I guess, like I saw a lot of other things kind of saying that it's a little bit sexist uh, in terms of like Helen's development in this movie. I, I guess that makes me a little bit upset because I thought it was actually pretty, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know I thought what you're her story about. was interesting. What's up? I don't know what you're. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't heard heard that. Oh, this is a movie, Bob. This is a movie, Bob commentary. So oh, fuck, I don't even know that we want to engage Bob. with it. I don't bring. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. I I, th- I think I've heard people say that it's more just kind of old fashionedy and that like yeah, you know, the dad it, has to take care of the kids. But I think it's it's one, weird it's in, in 2018 60s. to be depicting a nuclear family is what I feel like is kind of we're not used True. to seeing that in 2018. True, and I think. What I liked about it is it wasn't really more about masculinity versus femininity. It's more about like arrogance versus you know. Uh, yeah, uh, they they did that know. really well. Right, it's more about Bob's arrogance than just being like, oh, I'm right. a man. I have to stay at home. Yeah. It's more like, oh, and I'm Mister Incredible. I'm the famous one. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is I think is a fair, fun way to take that without and and also like the way that they they do a really good job of having like one moment between them because there's not a lot of interplay between the two main characters. There's really not, and they do a really good job with doing two or three moments that really fucking sell it. This is that's what I love about Incredibles. They're the only goddamn animated movies that'll have like two adult middle-aged people chatting in a bed like like yeah. we all do as couples it's kind of crazy they get away with it you forget it but like yeah you have like weird domestic dramas in the middle of these movies that have like james bondy action sequences yeah <laughs> ironically um, this is like the most james bondy of the of pixar ever gets which is funny oh anyway. yeah i mean like uh that that house oh my god of the water features Ugh. oh yeah Jesus. That, was, that was like a bond villain to the core it was i love that that sequence with the water features i knew as soon as he got that remote that those couches were going in the in the pool <laughs> <laughs> and it still made me laugh i know yeah, yeah. it did which um like the predictability that reminds me of of the villain twist didn't work as well for me why did y'all feel about that because i mean i feel like that was built up so much as a twist when we all saw it coming i mean the only thing in the question was maybe whether it was bob odenkirk's character or um the other one but um. no i think it's clearly signaled first off i knew it was her from the moment that she walked in because there was no fucking reason for that beat of her dumping all her stuff on the butler guy like it's from the word go, I knew it was her. At the same time, like it was interesting to me because I did not know why the fuck she was doing the crime, as Ben said. There's a disconnect there in her reason for doing the crime, and it's definitely there. So I, I would be like, if you're going to call it... I, you can't have it both ways. It can't both be very surprising, the reason that they're having her do the crime, and also mm-hmm. be predictable. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I, her plan is also really dumb to me. Like I, I will- disagree. Like I will generate the the press needed to make superheroes viable as being legal again, just so that I can pull one like stunt that makes them not viable again and turn all of that press around by having them say like stuff while they're hypnotized and nobody's gonna figure it out and they're gonna crash a boat. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that's actually dark to me is that I think in retrospect, I don't think she meant Elastigirl to succeed as much as she did. Oh, yeah. she wanted her to like get murdered or something. I, well, not murdered, but like, I don't. I, I definitely don't think that like the foreign ambassador was supposed to live through that. Don't you? You don't think? That's I hard would, to say. I, I yeah, know. it's hard to say. I, I don't that's know. She was. in the, because it's like, how yeah, much she is she helped. actually trying to? Versus how much is she faking it? You know what I mean? That, that's where like, like that's my point. Where I think if it's a twist, that could be more interesting. It's like if you do it and then like my version which is like oh it's just a fake super villain that i hypnotize this guy to do but you were always never in danger and then like you can go back and like show that like look at this point like, you were never i was shooting around you or whatever or something etc etc um it's hard, but I it's hard it to sell really that realistic. with the taser with the taser cage fight <laughs> like taser that, cage. that's hard to sell <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> that was a good you scene. will know my face taser face <laughs> i i am genuinely curious if if someone does actually have an epileptic seizure, I'm very curious because it's crazy to me that Disney put that out. And I do know that it's very specific patterns cause epilepsy. And I wouldn't be surprised if they made sure that it's not that. But I am so surprised I, I didn't even put like a warning or whatever. You know what I mean? I oh, there were warnings all over my theater. There weren't originally. Oh, wow. Like, that's the thing. It took like a week and a lot of outcry for the. I did not get any of Disney. There. I did not get any Disney. And I saw this uh, last Wednesday. So I'm I'm I did not get any warnings at all. Yeah, I guess it was just the theater that did it then. Yeah, 
Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just at some point it's covering liability. I would not be yeah. surprised if Disney like looked into it and tried to figure out a way to make it not happen. I figure that's the case, but I mean it's like also people are so sensitive to that. You think they would just put a warning just yeah. in case? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, epileptic seizures for some people are just like triggered by like crazy small amounts of things, and that's sure. just there's like no way around it. Like, ap- like you know, just like the flashing lights in Spider Man were was an epileptic seizure risk back in the day, and like the during the first Spider Man, Sam Raimi Spider Man movie. Like I remember that. I remember the first one was a Pokemon. It was like a Pokemon episode with some. Oh yeah, there was that one where they they just did like Porygon. the swirling lights thing and it Porygon. set off like hundreds of people. Yeah, but it was a Porygon yeah, episode. Nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> he's right. Jesus, I've I've yeah, watched that. Up. <sighs> I've also That's watched the one where I, I've also watched the the one with the dragons in it that I never got to see, even though the dragons are my favorite because there's a gun in it. Oh, interesting. They pulled it for the gun. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, and they also, they pulled, and the one that makes me mad is when they pulled, the, like, the James cross-dressing episode. That was a good episode, you know? <laughs> that was a good yeah. episode. Yeah. James looked hot. Yeah. <laughs> he looked good. Yeah, no, it does. It does. Him and, him and Jesse looked really hot in that episode, and I was like, damn. <laughs> Girl got it going on. Jesus. Uh, anyways. <laughs> I'm curious so, what you guys thought of the uh, the new characters because I think <laughs> the designs were kind of bland. It looked a little odd to me. Yeah, <laughs> it was... definitely odd. <laughs> Owl weirdly... Man, I love the gig, yeah. the gag with Owl Man whenever she confused him by making his head go in 360 degrees because <laughs> he's just an owl. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was so strange. That was pretty funny. That was actually more disturbing uh, to me than the, the opening short, just by <laughs> the way. <laughs> I certainly enjoyed like Void's powers, but like I don't know, some of the color designs, it just felt a little weird, like a little garish and a little off to me for uh, some reason. I'll say this, they are all over the fucking Magic Kingdom right now. Like if you go to Tomorrow oh, sure. World, mm-hmm. yeah, Tomorrowland, like I was there, I was at Magic Kingdom like the weekend this was coming out. Holy fuck, dude. Like they were there was like street vendors like hawking the action figures for all of those secondary villains. Like there was mm-hmm. more images of those secondary group of villains than anything else. And it was really weird too because it was like very obvious that they were like they were like hawked without the goggles as like villains is weird interesting there was a whole there was a whole like stage show that was in the middle of the tomorrowland area where they would come out and they were like really weird looking uh (laughs) like dressed uh incredibles people it was it was it was very interesting there was like a big edna mode uh that was like walking around and it was like freaking me out a little bit Mm because it's like it was like a big dressed up edna mode and i was like what the fuck is that (laughs) 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 yeah I mean, the one thing that's, that is fantastic in this movie that we can all agree is Jack Jack is really, really great. And for sure, yeah, and I, I feel like we're I, that was the thing that's actually surprising me is this is overwhelmingly negative to me so far to what I think is like probably one of my favorite movies of this year. <laughs> like, I, I love this. I love this movie. So, like, okay, here's my I guess react my surprise to that is like I just for for how. For how subversive this movie looks like it's gonna be, like I mean, in Screen what? Slavers, uh, please, Screen Slavers monologue that just is yeah, like voiced over her about, oh, you don't like living life, you like watching life on TV, and the fact that we're watching a superhero movie and this is about the cult of hero worship being a good or bad thing, very much, at least in the first two thirds of the movie, it kind of drops by the third. 
I mean, it's it's setting itself up to make this really self-aware meta like commentary on the superhero film post Marvel MCU, whereas the first Incredibles existed outside of that um, before before any of that happened, and it just completely falls flat uh, for me. Like it doesn't complete I, I, on any of that. Okay, I and and the fairness, I'm gonna come back and say that like. As maybe it's that I saw it at Disney with like a thousand screaming kids, um, but like as like a diversion, like I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I think that you're sort of right. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, I think that like I do think that the general perspective of this movie shifts at the last moment to a different point to end the movie without getting to the core thrust of what the rest of the movie is setting up. And it's funny to me that like Screenslaver's philosophy is just a smokescreen to like the real philosophy, which is less interesting than what Screenslaver actually was. That's What's fine. The real philosophy? It's funny. A... What? What's the real philosophy? Just the, um... Well, the real philosophy is her whole shtick about, like, heroes and us, like, you know, we, we... You know, I, I think yourselves. I think it I think it connects loosely. It just doesn't connect very satisfyingly. Oh, with uh, what she's it saying does connect. while she has the mask on. Right, let me finish a fucking sentence! <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to Sorry. understand. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 look, I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm saying that, like, her philosophy is that the idea that we stopped protecting ourselves because we have heroes. We stopped doing things because we have these heroes. And I think it ties into Screenslaver, like, seeing heroes in the media is the same sort of thing, and it loosely, like, you know, we're right. not doing certain things in society because we're putting all of our hopes and dreams into these imaginary people that are never the things that we think they are so i think i think her philosophy does loosely all tie together uh i do agree that the general thrust of the villains once the smoke screen is lifted is very different from what it was initially at the same time i wouldn't be surprised if screen slaver did the exact same thing and try to hijack a boat and kill all the heroes on it or do something similar so it's not it doesn't particularly matter uh because the thrust of the series is the same and the plot continues i think the plot is good I think the issue is that it takes away agency in the last act from the two main characters that have been built up to that point. And I think I think there was like again, I see what they were coming from when they made that decision. Their point is is that their good parenting allows the people to save them more literally in this one, but I don't think that plays as well as I would like it to play. At the same time, I see multiple parts that come together and do technically work. And I think this is the thing is I, I think, yeah. I think the difference for me with this movie is that it's not hitting that last 20%. It needs to be great. Yeah. Um, but the difference is in the meantime, it delivers probably one of the best James Bond movies I've seen in forever. It's like way better than Spectre for fuck's sake, guys. And like the train sequence, the act that, you know, chasing the train, chasing screen slaver, the screen slaver fight, the fight on the, on the boat, the fight with all the heroes. It's an action packed roller coaster ride, which I do not think you should not possibly miss with your children. Even if you're an adult, you'll still get that nice fucking buzz from like you know seeing the incredibles on film after all this time i think it's i think it's a really fun it's a really fun movie i think i think its core values not its core values its core like thematic thrust gets lost before the end but i don't think that's necessarily a huge problem because i think the movie itself does an amazing job of hiding the fact that it lost its way <laughs> um which i yeah. think is totally in, in the moment of watching it it's totally possible to just forget about what the issue was, or at least in my case, it was. 
Um, yeah. What did you um, What did you think about just my last point on the theme that I kind of wanted y'all's reaction to the backstory of the, the almost like um, past trauma, like character shaping event comparable to like Batman origin of just the parent death story of um, the um, the the uh, the Devers father rushing to try and contact the superheroes rather than get in the fucking safe room that he built specifically for <laughs> for the purpose of getting uh, in the instance thought, of, uh, of a break-in. What did y'all think of that story? Because I felt that really, that, that kind of fell flat for me too. I thought that was a really odd kind of motivational backstory. I mean, I guess it made sense, but I don't know. It felt weird. What did you, y'all think of that? Did y'all have any problem man. with that whatsoever? Uh, well, I've, it, go ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, it felt just like a little bit like elaborate. I guess that's part of my problem. It's just like there's just a lot of elements to it that needs to be like there has to be a safe room and a phone and a robber. And it's like the beauty of Batman's parents is that it's a random crime. Yeah. It just kind of happens to rich people. You know what I mean? Like they just have to be wrong place, right. wrong time. And like this is just there's just a lot of elements that have to lead up to that happening. Um, I do like the idea of it just in terms of because it's like. The red phone is very golden age of comic books, Batman, nineteen sixty TV show era, yeah. like you know, like the well, give me, give me Gaza beam, <laughs> <That's> yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it, and so yeah. like that guy, <clears throat> that guy getting killed brutally by thugs certainly is like uh, the, the change of an era, and like they're kind of dealing with that, like the change of superheroes and the changing of eras. But again, it just uh, I don't know. Again, it, maybe if like her thematic thing was just a little stronger for me i would have liked it better but it's also part of the problem where it's like oh well someone's hurt by that <laughs> someone's probably going to be the villain <laughs> from that event you know like that that would cause someone to become a super villain so it's probably one of these two people you know like it yeah. just kind of it's part of the problem of like as soon as you hear that and they have a telecommunication company and the bad guy is like a mind control person you're yeah. like well yeah, one of you is a bad person <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's obvious yeah it's over it, and that's the thing is too is I think that this has the again this doesn't have the Pixar like I feel like a couple of characters needed to be edited out is, is probably my big thrust here is that I again I think there's like twenty percent missing do you know what I mean like I yeah. think that's my that's my thing is like I don't think this is bad I, you know it's it's gonna be an eight for me I think that there's like that last twenty percent that last script draft that last this characters these two villain characters or the the brother and sister need to be one character and it needed to have one succinct issue going on there needed to be less people to talk to uh, introducing heroes and all that stuff. And it needed to just, you know, it it maybe needed to just cut some runtime and maybe have Bob's story complete and be more tied into Helen's. And they have to have like something come back together or an understanding between the two characters to make it happen. It just it just needed something to tie all the stories better together and all that. And that's I, I know that sounds like a lot. But in the moment when I was actually watching this film, it didn't feel like a lot. It uh, is a I recognize that that's all there. Maybe. I think that's what it is too. Is maybe like more so than the first one, and I agree with Ben. Like I disagree. Any anything that's shot at the first movie, I have no I have no problem with it because, like, I I love the, the first movie. Is to me is pretty is pretty perfect. Uh, I I 
I, yeah. Also, just because it's golden age of Pixar animation, like pushing the fucking envelope to the nth degree with just a really crisp, crisp, crisp fucking storyline. Um, so, and this is very different from that, but at the same time, if you're not expecting like the pinnacle of Pixar animation, this is just a great thing. And, and you know what? This is kind of where I want Pixar to end up because I've seen a lot of. They're starting to, you know, they've been crippled in the last couple of years. They've been doing, putting out stuff that's not great. Um, and seeing them come back with this and Coco kind of makes me like, you know, it's probably not going to get back up to up where it was. But at the same time, like they'll put be able to put out stuff that I really, really genuinely enjoy. And this is something that I genuinely enjoy. Um, well, the interesting thing is we're definitely going to be, this to me is going to be the, this and the next film, Toy Story 4, are going to be the, the turning points because... Uh, Incredibles is the highest grossing, highest opening animated film of all time. Almost certainly going to beat Finding Dory as the highest grossing animated film, at least domestically. Um, it's hard to top Frozen's insane worldwide run. Um, but it's, and so you have that, but it, you also have John Lasseter is gone, and now Pete Doctor, who directed Inside Out and Up, is going to take over as the uh, creative director. Um, and we, just don't know what his vision is if it's going to be like the old days if it's going to be more sequels or if it's going to be uh, something different they have five films in development none are set on what they are but um so only toy story 4 is left and like this has been kind of a decade defined by uh a lot of sequels (laughs) you know it's toy story 3 cars 2 monsters university uh finding dory cars 3 uh and incredibles 2 so there's what seven uh, sequels slash um, prequels in ten years, like it's a lot. So, yeah. um, and then one more, so eight um, ultimately. So I think it's going to be very interesting because obviously that idea pays off really well because Finding Dory and Incredibles two were massive hits, and I'm sure Toy Story four will be as well. Um, but you're also seeing a lot of pushback to that. You saw a lot of love for Coco and Inside Out, which definitely took more creative risks kind of did something a little more different like uh, uh coco in particular is a very kind of different story than they usually tell um and yeah i mean it's sort of it's gonna be an interesting time you know with the with all the shakeups around so I'm, I'm just very curious because i feel like incredibles 2 is going to be one way or the other either going to double down on that and it's going to be sequel mania or they're going to like say well we had our fun but let's go back to the up wally you know because uh, that the what I just found out is that Ratatouille, Up, and Wall-E, which are also coincidentally three of the least marketable kids' movies ever made, <laughs> like some of the craziest premises I've ever heard, uh, were all made when Pixar thought they were going to leave Disney because they were really mad about all the Disney sort of um, uh, oversight. Um, and you can kind of tell that's them. But they're like, we got to just go out there and be bold and be creative. And, and, and I do feel like some of us have felt like they've rested on those laurels and um, I don't know. It's just something that I'm very interested about where Pixar's going to go from here because I feel like this is kind of that point where we're going to see a different era. And I think, you know, the same way that after Up, it feels like a completely different era. I feel like after Toy Story 4, it's kind of also going to feel like a different era to me. And I just don't know what it's going to be, but I'm just very curious um, mm. where we're going to go. So anyways, that's just kind of my party I guess I guess is me. I'm like, I'm like always low-level afraid of any change in Pixar because, the you know, I think we all dream of like the original Pixar days. And I think, I think it's always kind of be sad for me. It's just it's one of those things where it's like I see tri- Pixar's trajectory generally overall as in a downward trajectory from after that initial era, um, and because of that, like any sort of like change outside of this, I just want them to sort of like 
end here. Do you know what I mean? An end at this level of quality, but I don't see that happening. I see kind of more cars three bullshit kind of in the future. So I guess, <laughs> I guess like, I guess like at the same time, like guys, like I understand where you're coming from. You're like, Oh yeah, this isn't, this isn't a 10. And I'm like, yeah, that's not the, it's not the point, you know, <laughs> like I, I'm cool with like a solid eight for me for this. And I think that's where it sits at. And I, and I just want them to well, kind of stay in an eight. It shows to me that they need more Redbirds. You know what I mean? Like, cause, cause every time Pete right. makes a movie, it, it knocks it out of the park. Every time Redbird makes a movie, he knocks it mostly out of the park. I mean, Incredibles too. Very close. New, uh, so a, a, are a you saying triple. that they need probably new, more diversity and new blood type of thing? Because I don't. Yeah, I want to see the that. next Brad Bird. I want to see the next Pete Doctor. They, they really haven't had as many people kind of go up to it. The only people who have been given new movies um, who haven't directed before are given sequels. Um, so like Monster University and Cars 3 and stuff. So like I want to see them, you know, take more risks and have more. I don't know. Get, let some of the shorts and some of the lesser known people take a crack at a big movie and i would like to see that so hopefully yeah. that's what we'll see yep. in the future yep yep uh trevor last thoughts or actually let's go ahead and put some scores in this bad boy how's that sound guys sounds good all right trevor you're up first um i think um i agree with a lot of what y'all said pretty much as far as i think it's a masterful action movie um, it was interesting hearing y'all talk about the, the James Bondness of it. I think that goes along with that um, sort of mid-century modern, I think it's called, aesthetic, which is just one of you know the things about Incredibles uh, as a world uh, just makes it so infectious and such a joy to, uh, to watch. It's just how that just puts you in the world of it. Um, I did like have fun at this movie all the way through, even at the climax to where kind of, as you all said, it's like the, um, it, it's like Evelyn and, um, Helen Parr have nothing left to say to each other. Um, as, as far as, you know, like the, I guess maybe stereotypical, you know, villain versus protagonist, you know, final fight climax of who's right about what thing. Um, and it, it does just kind of fall out of the movie still enough to me to where I was a little bored during the third act of it as much as it is masterful action like we were talking I, about with the um, the uh, the new superheroes design for this movie that uh, get turned into bad guys with the goggles it's just like what like it's, it's a lot of um, like really odd just kind of characters thrown into me and that's part of what makes the the, the uh, action sequence work and be so cool and inventive but also feels just still kind of out of nowhere um, for me as far as kind of connecting up with everything that's set up earlier. So um, I think for me, it's a six. I'm still really glad that we got an incredible sequel. A lot of it's really fun. And I think especially I'm glad that I talked to y'all about um, Violet's plot being like one of the better, like there's some really good stuff in here too. I mean, the new math joke, as much as I heard it too, too many times in the trailers, it, God, it was really hard to get around all the promotional trailers for this movie. Like it, it kind of spoiled some of the better jokes. They just put so much in the trailers, but it was still such a good, um, I don't know, such a good line, such a good conflict to have. I think just by the end of it for me i was still just like a little bored wondering where the the point of it kind of kind of um, fell through and particularly from brad bird i kind of want more than that like even tomorrowland as much as a failure as it is of a movie then i appreciate like what he was trying to say 
And here I don't see him really saying anything. So it was ultimately kind of a disappointment for me. So I'm leaving it at a six, despite some really masterful filmmaking. Okay. Uh, Ben, you're up next. All righty. So um, I'm going to give it an eight. Um, It's just a case of like, yeah, that uh, I hold Brad Bird and everyone to a high standard uh, that I'm giving it an eight. Um, It's just, it's extremely impressive. The, the level of clarity of action. We didn't even talk about the score of the scores. I think even better than the first one, Michael Giacchino returning. Why that man hasn't been hired to do, to do the score for an actual Bond movie is shocking to me. Um, he is so good at capturing that sort of John Barry, 1960s, Sean Connery era score. Um, the, um, the level of creativity and the movement and the, and the use of animation in terms of like fluidity, which, uh, which I feel like computer animation has kind of lost a lot of that fluidity. Um, it's the only film that kind of got anywhere close to it. Weirdly, is uh, Hotel Transylvania um, because I think Jenny Tarkovsky and Brad Bird both came from hand-drawn animation and appreciate that and and kind of push some of that hand-drawn style for these movies, which I think was what makes Incredibles sort of very interesting to watch. Um, like I said, I just think it's it's a little frustrating in terms of just it's a lot of movie. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of movie. I, we, I didn't even mention that this movie was pushed forward a year so that toy story four could have some more time to develop its story um and it sort of feels like it's uh like like jack said maybe this is like the 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 penultimate draft and we never got the ultimate draft you know we never got the last perfectly tamed down six months of little extra work of really fine-tuning it um but it's still really interesting there's still enough to like the family's still enjoyable and uh it's 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 good to just hang out these people it's probably my favorite of the current run of sequels i always have to say that because i think toy story 2 is their sort of ultimate sequel example that they've never gotten close to with any other sequels um but of the recent ones it's probably my favorite um but again it's just it's just i was hoping that this would be the one that kind of breaks that curse uh, i certainly like it better than the other ones but uh yeah i i do come to pixar for like the higher standard doesn't quite reach but ultimately it's a fun action movie. It's well made. It's definitely going to have a lot more clarity and enjoyment than most summer blockbusters out there. And I probably should just go watch Jurassic World to see how far it could go in the opposite direction. Yeah, <laughs> because, uh, you know, it's just a case of like, you know, we don't get movies like this very often. And so you have to treasure them. It's why I treasure the Mission Impossible movies because they, most films don't actually function on that basic level <laughs> and uh and this does and it's uh, quite enjoyable so that's why i give it an eight yeah i i'm, I'm again i'm an i'm an eight i have to admit i i don't mean to pick on you trevor but this is like yes, the most do. disappointed yes, yeah do. well i don't mean to do it i i don't mean to do it i just very strongly strongly disagree with that score i mean you're like i was bored during the the third half of this movie for all of that yeah, action third half sequences specifically the all third of half. that yeah. like the third okay fuck off um, <laughs> <laughs> okay i i just i just can't imagine anyone being bored through that like that that takes a that takes a special kind of uh just 
I'm intellectual, just, I just elitist. I uh, yeah, intellectual bullshit yeah. is what I would say. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, right. I wasn't. I won't say I, I, I just, was bored by like the moment to moment action. I still thought the the climactic action was really well. Like what Ben was saying, like really the fluidity of action is you know superb and all that. I just felt kind of disengaged from the climax of the movie because that's where the conflicting well, forces I, are supposed to triumph one or the other. This is, and this I didn't is, know what okay, those were Well, this anymore. is where I disagree because you have a plot based issue. That's fine. But like, you also have to appreciate the level of animation, the level of like, you know how it's all strung together. The, the, like the score, every, the whole of the movie, like you have an issue with the plot that d- doesn't come around at the last 20%. And I agree with that. I gave it an eight, but at the same time, I just don't think that like, th- I don't think it's that big a bloody deal because, the no, I think you're wrong because we got it. all of those things in the first Incredibles movie, which makes this movie unnecessary. Uh, e- oh, I don't think the movie's unnecessary. I think it's a fun fucking time. I enjoyed it. Doesn't I'm have anything to say. Like I was saying, Brad what? Bird is an auteur who has like the capability of making a really good statement in his films, and I just I don't really know what his point. Okay, was. well that's 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 shitty fucking way to score a movie is to say that this guy has done better before thus I'm going to need I like his score I, no not just his better movies like my example of Tomorrowland is a worse movie but I still like got more out of it than I did this film holy god you give Tomorrowland a better score don't you okay I think I think that's <laughs> no, my point that's my point for the night <laughs> it's just I'm done I'm sorry I'll disengage that's my bad I went aggro I apologize um yeah i think this movie is very very good i think that the plot needed i think that ben said it perfectly though i think that there needed to be just like an extra an extra 20 minutes in the pixar mind melt stew would have kind of i think you know there's always those rules of pixar that like float around for like creative makings and you know i don't think any sort of rules are necessarily great for creative projects but there's a couple of them that come to mind when i was watching this movie that i think like if applied to some of the like the script at the last minute may have like kind of evened it out a bit, <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, this is still the height of digital animation to me. Like this is, this is the best digital animated movie kind of this year. And it's going to be, it's better than a lot of el- everything else that's coming out. It's better than a lot of your indie movies. It's better than a lot of things. I'm not like, I, my point is, is like, yeah, there's a problem with like, you know, how it all comes together at the end, but it's still from like an auteur perspective, more put together than your average movie. So that's all I'm going to say. I disagree. I don't know. I think like you, you talked about the spectacle a lot of it and just if the thematics of this movie weren't so specifically about. No, the thematics are working. The thematics aren't working on your level. The thematics are dro- having dropped plot threads. The thematic, the core thematic about like fatherhood motherhood and parenthood are working incredibly well like it gets an emotional response out of me trevor like don't let that just because i'm agreeing that it needs more time in the stew does not mean that it did not get an emotional response to me definitely in terms of like just predicting their just like even the small amounts of like how they talk about their relationship ben's right like as somebody in a relationship like it's it rings so true to me like how they do it and how they don't make it like a one-upsmanship game so much as like a oh, pride yeah. game between like two I people. love those and, it, and it's like... so honest and it's so honest and true in that nature that it's like it's one of these things it's like yeah I get it like the last the the, la- the plot structure doesn't work for like maybe like a couple of minutes but 
it fucking projects such honest, true character to the audience and is so uplifting and so good in that way. I don't understand how you can just like intellectually. I feel like that's my issue with what you're doing here is that you're intellectually grabbing onto one thing and then giving it a wrong score because you can't you can't see everything else that's coming through that it does right. So I, you know, it's okay. All right. We'll just have to agree I, to disagree. We should score Incredibles the first one next week. <laughs> I I agree with that. I agree. I'm very curious what you gave the first Incredibles. Probably um, like a nine. Oh, really? Probably. I don't know. I think it's it's weird to think about how the antagonist in the first one also like weirdly doesn't connect with how well the rest of the movie works. In a way. Oh, really? I love the antagonist in the first one. No, yeah, I, I love th- him I think, too. I, th- I think he's the one of the. He's probably like one of the best villains in superheroes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, are, are you disagree a bit or like I, I think? No, I think he's like a really interestingly prescient take on toxic right. fandom, which is sort of interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 He and it's, it's you're right. You're right. Right at the time, it probably was prescient, wasn't it? It was, I don't think it was as bad as it is now. I don't know. Maybe it just feels more visible or something. But like, yeah, yeah the well, idea I of definitely... somebody who holds something so close to him that when it fails him, he wants to destroy it. That's just something we see a lot these days. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. that his method to destroying it is to give the same gift to everyone, though. Like he's like, I'm going to make everybody super, and then nobody will be. And then Dash is like, well, every if everyone's special, then no one is. It's just a really yeah weird uh, thematic. I, I just okay. So first off. Okay, go ahead. No, that was that was all I was saying. It was just weird. Like I, I don't know. I never, I never quite tackled that. I never quite understood like why I, those I, two I, things. I think there's a difference. Those. I think the movie does a good job of differentiating what Syndrome wants and why Syndrome does things. Yeah, I think that's that's the best reason for him. And I think that's the thing is like Syndrome monologues, but Syndrome isn't monologuing because he actually believes the things he's doing. He's monologuing right. because he's a fucking spoiled piece of shit that didn't deal with shit. And I think that's the good thing is that like subtextually that happens, especially in his actions at the end when he wants to be the hero. Like that's not the that's not the that's not the thing that a hero is doing to democratize things. He wants to be a hero and it doesn't f- like, you know, his genius could have allowed him to, to democratize this infor- this technology to the world, but that wasn't his, his like goal. Like, yeah, dash says that. Um, and I think it's about like being special and all this other stuff, but at the same time, like syndrome is syndrome because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, there's yeah. a, like, yeah. <laughs> like, and I think they do a really good job of that being his goal as opposed to like, he says he doesn't say that though. Like it's, it's I think all he's a twisted much better villain than screen slaver slash the, uh, Devers. How about that? What's up? Uh, who are they? Uh, screen slaver slash Bob Odenkirk and, um, what's her name? God damn it. Catherine Keener. Characters, yeah, well, her, her, yeah, her yeah. Character name I think he's a better villain than pun. Screen Slaver. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's for me why I appreciate the first one more still. No, I, I I agree. Syndrome Syndrome's better. Like, there's no there's no fight for me on that. Like, yeah. I just I just disagree that Syndrome is any prop. Syndrome's like one of the best parts of Incredibles. I just you know, yeah. we need to end this. <laughs> <laughs> All I have to say is that uh, Kathy Keener's character's name is Evil Endeavor. Evil Endeavor. Get it? Uh, oh! The puns in these movies. Great puns. Good puns That's in these so movies. Good puns. They pun well. Yeah. Yeah. What do you give Megamind, Trevor? Oh, Megamind. Megamind. <laughs> 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 
fucking Mega Mine. No, you pulled that one out of the banks. <laughs> I, I did, that didn't existed. I? <laughs> Mega Mine is great, except it also ends with a, the typical DreamWorks dance party. <laughs> Loses like two whole oh, points right. for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why the fuck does DreamWorks do that? I have to admit, like, every once in a while, Dream. Uh, let's not talk about it. All right, from everyone here from the Movie Gang Podcast, this has been Ben Haworth. Talk to you later. Trevor Flynn. Signing off. And I'm Jack Newman. Thanks for listening. Head on over to thetuscanshed.com where you can see our brand new Bouncy Baby podcast, The Pen and Paper Pod. Go check out that. Me and Ben and Peter and Alyssa get together. We get to play D&D. It's a lot of fun. Go check it out. I really highly recommend it. And also, if you got time, head on over to iTunes. Give this a cast a review. Give give Pen and Paper a review. Give us all our reviews because reviews help us do that thing. I don't know why I'm doing this voice. Seriously, go do it. Thanks a lot. See you later.